بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ٹینتھ آف مے ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu and yesterday I mentioned the famous narrative of the night of the jinn and we're halfway through the report and I've reached the point where the Prophet has returned exhausted after spending the night i.e. giving that word to the jinn And the report, like I mentioned, is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 4381, but it has a weak narrator called Abi Zaid. So the report continues. He came to me, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, at dawn, and he said to me, Ma zilta qa'iman, ya ibn Mas'ud. Are you still there, O ibn Mas'ud? I responded, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Did you not instruct me stay here until I return? He thereupon asked me, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Hal ma'aka min wudu? Do you have any water for wudu? I responded, yes. Then I opened the vessel and I saw that it was nabith, i.e. a drink made by soaking dates in water. Thereupon I said to him, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when I picked up the vessel, I did not think that it contained anything but water, but it turned out to be nabith. Rasulullah responded, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Tamratan tayyibah, wa ma'an tahoolah, dates good and pure, and water purifying. So stop in the report. So, Rasulullah's return sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he asks a very interesting question. He asked, are you still here O Ibn Masood? So you could take this various ways. One is humor, meaning are you still here after what you observed? Or it could be the Prophet was praising him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for his steadfastness. So he said, you instructed me Ya Rasulullah, so I've, I've remained. Then he asked him for the water for wudu. And like I mentioned, he thought he had brought water, but it was Nabith. So when he clarified this to the Prophet wasallam, the Prophet said two things. Tamratan tayyibah wa ma'an tahula. Dates good and pure, water purifying, meaning it's okay. In another report, our beloved messenger, he performed wudu with it, wasallam, and he said, Ya Abdullah ibn Mas'ud Sharaban wa Tahura O Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu a drink and also a means of purification This is in Ibn Majah number 385 Ahmad in his Musnad number 3782 However there is a weak narrator called Ibn Lahia within the chain So the Prophet here said sallallahu alayhi wasallam that you can perform wudu with this it's also a pure drink In another report, adding details, in Dada Kutni, number 243 to 244, Ahmad in his Musnad, number 4353, again, it is a weak narrator called Ali ibn Zayd. 
Abdullah ibn Masood said, Radiallahu, Rasulullah asked, Sallallahu alayhi wa Amma akama, do you have any water? I said, no. He then asked, Amma aqa nabith, do you have any nabith? I said, yes. He, Sallallahu alayhi wa thereupon performed wudu with it. So now if you look at these reports, and I've explained that each of the reports have a weakness within it, it seems to indicate that you can perform wudu with the water of Nabith. So the Prophet was clearly highlighting that it's a substitute. So here, what have the scholars pointed out? So Imam Tahawi, he clarified in his Sharh Ma'ani Al-Athar, number 644, some of the people of knowledge Basing their position on these hadith, they say, when someone is on a journey, it is permissible for him to perform wudu with the nabith of deaths, if there is nothing else around. One of those who took this position was Imam Abu Hanifa. So Imam Tahawi said that, some of the ma said on a journey, there is no water, you can use the water of nabith. And he goes, Imam Abu Hanifa had this view, Rahmatullah. Then he said, Others, they disagree. And they say, One should not perform wudu with Nabith, but should perform tayyamum instead when there is nothing else around. So who says this? Imam Abu Yusuf, Imam Muhammad, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad. So basically, all the other Imams, Rahimahumullah, they said, No, you do tayyamum. In another report, it mentions also that Imam Abu Hanifa retracted his view. Thus, a consensus has now been reached on the matter. So this is the fiqh. So if you look at this report, without going through the Imams, you would think that there's no problem. You can't do the Yemen. You've got Nabith, the water of Nabith. And the response is no. There was a view. But the scholars have not agreed upon this. So now question, why haven't they looked at these reports? And like I mentioned, looking at it very briefly, they all suffer from weakness. And of course, when it comes to Masail, rules and regulations, you need authentic references. So this is why the scholars have pointed this out. Returning to the report. When he, sallallahu alayhi then stood up to offer salah, two of them, i.e. the jinn, came to him. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa we would love for you to lead us in salah. Those, he sallallahu alayhi wa made them stand in the row behind him and led us in salah. When he finished, I asked, Ya Rasulullah, who were they? He responded, sallallahu alayhi wa Ha ula'i jinnu nasibin. These are the jinn of Nasibin. They came to me concerning a dispute about some of their affairs. They also asked me for provision. So stop in the report. So they're offering a prayer. So apparently this is the Fajr prayer. So you could say this is strange. Because Rasulullah hasn't returned to offer the obligatory prayer in the congregation. Whatever the case, he offered the prayer. And these two people came. So now question. 
did Ibn Mas'ud recognize them as jinn? The answer was no, because he asked. So they came in human form. So if they didn't come in human form, he would have clearly said these are jinn. So the Prophet after the prayer had finished, he said they are jinn from Nasibid, a long way away from the holy city. And then he said, they came to me concerning a dispute, meaning I've settled a dispute of this. They've also asked me for provision. So Ibn Masood said, I asked Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu do you have anything that you could grant them as provision? Thinking that the Prophet got nothing. So what did he give them? Sallallahu He said, I granted them excrement. Whatever they now find of dung, they will find it like body. And whatever they find of bones, they will find them with meat upon them. Indeed, it was at this time that Rasulullah forbade cleaning oneself, i.e. after relieving oneself with dungs or bones. So what was the provision he allotted for these people who had come, these jinn who had come? And he said that the excrement and bones. So obviously excrement and bones have no nutritional value. So the Prophet explained that this was a miracle. He goes, whatever the dung they find, it's like barley. <laughs> Meaning they, Allah Ta'ala has made it into some sort of rizq for them. And bones, i.e. what's left of the food or the bones of the animals. He goes, that will tell it, there'll be meat upon it for them. So it's a miracle. So the scholars point out that this is not universal. This was something specifically for those jinn. And then the Prophet famously said that you must not clean yourself with dungo bones. Why? Because it's the food of the of the jinn. So this is the report, the long report of the night of the jinn, which Imam Ahmad records in his Muslim. So note, without all of the additional reports, you don't get a complete picture. And with all of the reports, you seem to get the comprehensive incident that took place on that on that night. So like I mentioned, this didn't happen just once or twice. It happened on a few occasions. A similar incident also occurred after the Hijrah to Al-Madina. So what is mentioned there? So this is recorded in Abu Nu'im in his Dala'i ibn Nubu'ah, Tabari in his Tariqh, and Shaykh Maududi Rahmatullah in his Tafsir, volume 12, page 291 of the English translation. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu he said, when we reached the graveyard of Al-Madina, Rasulullah drew a circle on the ground and seated me inside it, ordering me not to move from there until his return. He then advanced. So now it's strange. Why is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud the only one who seems to be visiting the jinn? So again, maybe this was part of his training because he was going to become one of the jurists, the great scholars of the Sahaba. So Allah was training him. So it, but it's interesting to point that out. Makkah, he's with the Prophet by himself. Also now in Al-Madina, clearly mentions in Al-Madina. A circle is drawn, he goes, stay. Subhanallah, I then saw that before me, a black cloud arose from the dead palm trees. In another report, Abdullah ibn Masood said, one of them would come looking like the shape of a palm tree. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 4353. And again, it has the weak narrator, Ali ibn Zayd. <coughs> so now, stop in the report. So he's in the circle. 
And now look at the description, you get this kind of a vivid image. A black cloud arose from the dead palm trees. So why are they coming from the dead palms? So this is one of the residents of the jinn. They like to live in trees or in the whereabouts of trees. So maybe they came out of the trees. But it goes, it was like a black cloud that emerged from them. In the other report, adding the detail, it goes, they actually look like the shape of a palm tree. <laughs> the report continues. I became wounded for Rasulullah, that he be harmed. But as I was ordered not to move, I remained sitting. So, you know, he wanted, he thought the Prophet might be in danger because I couldn't leave. I then heard Rasulullah saying to them, sit down. Hearing this, all the jinns sat down and then kept sitting there until the morning. So again, it was all night. <laughs> you don't get the impression, just one a few, few words were exchanged and the Prophet left all night. He's talking to them. When the jinn finally left, the Prophet came to me and I narrated to him the incident of my fear. He thereupon said, These were the jinn from the city of Nasibin who had come to visit me. I believe Nasibin is in Turkey. So, you know, if you think about it, how far have they traveled to visit the Prophet? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud later resided in Kufa. And the memory of those jinn was still fresh on his mind. Then seeing the dark, wicked people in Kufa, he said, these people exactly resemble those jinn. <laughs> so obviously, we'll get, I'll get to the point in his blessed life where he went to Kufa. But there was a lot of mischief mongers there. And they actually looked like those jinn. <laughs> Even if it goes, they were dark, they were tall, and they had like kind of, you know, devilish... Because they look like those jinn. But these jinn were noble. Because they came to the Prophet, they wanted to learn and they left. But Ibn Masood said, but these people, because they look like those jinn. In another report, there's a detail. In Ahmed in his Musnad, number 4353, again, the weak narrator, Ali Ibn Zayd in the chain. When he saw Az-Zutta, when he read the saw Az-Zutta, he said, these are just like those, i.e. the jinn. So now, who are Az-Zutta? These are a kind of dark people who are known to be tall and slim. So what's interesting, when you hear the narratives of the jinn, they actually call them shadow men. <laughs> and they also call them the long, tall shadow men. And that is part of our teachings, right? They do take those images. But the, the wording is Az-Zutta. And then the Ibn Masood said, these, the people of Kufa, the, the rebellious ones, they just like them. Because they look like them as well. So these are the narrations of Ibn Masood with the jinn. So now, what have the scholars pointed out here? Sheikh Abu Bakr Shibli Hanafi, in his work, Ahkam al-Marjan Ahkam al-Marjan Fi Ahkam al-Jan He had written that all in all there are six events of the meeting of the jinn with our beloved messenger proved on the basis of various ahadith. This was also the conclusion of Shaykh Maududi in his tafsir volume 12 page 290 of the English translation. So if a person goes, I don't want all the fine details, just simple 
How many times did Rasulullah meet with the jinn? And you said there were six events. Many of those, Ibn Masood was with him. One, he wasn't. He was by himself, the Prophet But there's six. So now, what's mentioned in the Quran? Was there anything, any dialogue or things which are mentioned clearly in the Quran? Yes. In Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah 46, verse 29, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He says, أَوْذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنِ الشَّيْطَانُ الْجِيمِ وَإِذَا صَرَفْنَا إِلَيْكَ نَفَرًا مِنَ الْجِنِّ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقُرْآنَ فَلَمَّا حَضَرُوهُ قَالُوا عَنْسِتُوا فَلَمَّا قُدِيَ وَاللَّوْ إِلَى قَوْمِهِمْ مُنْذِرِينَ And remember, when we brought to you a group of jinn so that they might listen to the Qur'an, when they reached the place where he was reciting, they said to one another, Ansitu, be silent. When the recitation was over, they returned to their people as warners. So Allah Ta'ala clearly mentions in Surah Al-Ahqaf, verse 29, that a group of jinn came to the Prophet and their intention was to listen to the Qur'an. When they got there, they actually said to one another, Be silent. When Rasulullah finished, they returned to their people as warners. Where was this? The blessed narrations mention this was the first visit of the jinns which occurred in the valley of Nakhla. According to Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham in his Seerah, page 215 of the New English Translation, Abu Nu'im and others, this incident occurred during our beloved messenger return journey from Ta'if to Makkah. So now what's fascinating here, if you look at the Sirat, these incidents are very, very interesting where they are found. So what year are you talking? This was the 10th year of prophethood. It was the year of grief. So the three years of boycott had finished and shortly after, Rasulullah's beloved wife, our mother, Khatija passed away. Then shortly after, Abu Talib passed away. And then he went to Taif. Why? Because he wanted a base so he could propagate the message. And then famously, they did what they did to the Prophet So outwardly, it looks like everywhere he's going is a is failure. When he's now left Taif, heading back, he stops in the valley of Nakhla. And if you go to Ta'if, there's actually a place called the Valley of the Jinn. And they say that these vehicles actually move without gravity. And there may be some truth to it, but that is where that incident took place. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what is he doing there? He's reciting Quran. So he's offering prayer. Was he aware that these jinn had come to him? And the response is no. So there was one meeting where even our beloved messenger wasn't aware they had arrived. And the report says when they listened to the Quran, they actually said to each other, Ansitu. I was interesting about that. Allah Ta'ala mentions that for all the believers. When the Quran is recited, listen to it in silence so that your Lord may show you mercy. This, this verse came well after. <laughs> so 
So how did the jinn know that? that? To get the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to listen to the Quran in silence. And this shows they were noble jinn. And did it affect them? Yes, because they returned with Iman. And the Prophet was not aware of this. Now, why did it happen here? Because uh, in outwardly, it looked like nothing had happened. The Prophet had basically gone on a wasted trip. But Allah Ta'ala was causing people to embrace Islam that even he was not aware of. So the jinn got the message from the sacrifice of Taif. What other thing is very interesting? He then went into the orchard and then two of the Quraysh, they saw the Prophet and they felt pity for him. So they told their servant called Adas. Adas. He was a Christian servant. He goes, go and give him some grapes. So Adas, he went to the Prophet and he offered him some grapes. So the Prophet looked at him. He goes, and he asked him, and he goes, my name is Adas. He goes, where are you from? So Adas said, I'm from Nineveh in Iraq. So the Prophet said, from where my brother was, Yunus. So then Adas looked at the Prophet. He goes, what do you know about Yunus? And then the Prophet said, just as I am a Prophet, he is a Prophet. And then the Prophet took the name of Allah before he ate the grapes. And he was shocked at this. Then he embraced Islam. Adas. And then the two Quraysh, they were observing, and they goes, look how quickly his witchcraft works. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> he goes, he's converted our servant. And then when the servant came back, they goes, look, don't listen to him. Right? And then he goes, no, no, he goes, he said things only a prophet could say. So Adas embraced Islam. So that was another fruit of this journey. But there's another deep message here. People don't see the seerat. What other huge reason did this happen? Right? So where was he from? Adas. Nineveh. So there was a link here. What was the link? Yunus So Yunus what is his narrative? His narrative was he went to a people, they didn't listen. Allah Ta'ala, then he left and the punishment came. And then Yunus he left and then we know the narrative. He left without the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He ended up being in the belly of a fish. Look at the similarity. Rasulullah went to Taif. They didn't listen to him. He left and then the predicament happened. So who did Allah Ta'ala send to comfort him? A person from Nineveh. So the seerah is full of secrets. Jinn embraced Islam. Adas from Nineveh embraced Islam. But if you don't have these details, you think this was a wasted trip. In fact, the Prophet went through even more anguish. And the response was he did go through physical pain. But there was nothing redundant in his holy life. So again, all of this, that was the first time the jinn came to him. And nobody, even the Prophet, was unaware. Now, why was he unaware? Because he was praying. And he's oblivious to what's happening around Sallallahu Also, just to add this, which is interesting. In Ahmad in his Musnad, number 1425, Zubair, who was paired up with Ibn Mas'ud, one of the Ten Promised Paradise, he recited the above verse, Surah 46, verse 29. He explained, they were at a place called Nakhla. This is between Makkah and Taif. Whilst Rasulullah was performing the Isha prayer. And then he recited a verse, Surah Al-Jinn. 
They crowded on top of each other to hear him. Sufyan added, they stood on top of each other like piled wool. <laughs> so this adds beautiful details. What happened? So Rasulullah stayed at Nakhla, he's performing the Isha prayer, meaning it was the obligatory prayer. And then look how interesting. The Quran says, They crowded on top of each other to hear him, because they're not humans. <laughs> Sufyan, one of the subnarrators said, just like a uh, like piled wool, meaning they were on top of each other listening attent- attentively to him. And this is an authentic report. And also in another report, in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Hakim in his Mustadrak Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud clarified, Radiyallah, the jinns came down upon the Prophet when he was reciting the Quran at a place called Nakhla. When they heard him, they said, be silent, Surah 46, verse 29, meaning, hush. They were nine in number, and one of them was called Zawba'ah. Thus, Allah the Almighty revealed, Surah Al-Ahqaf, Surah 46, verse 29, all the way to verse 32, where it mentions that these noble jinn invited their own people to the glorious truth. SubhanAllah. So, Further details. So Ibn Masood said, he gave the numbers. There was nine. Nine of the jinn. One of them was called Zawba'ah. Got very interesting names, the jinn. Zawba'ah. And Allah was so pleased with them, he revealed four verses about them. Surah 46, verse 29, 30, 31, and 32. And I've gone through the verses, but it, briefly it mentions that these noble jinn invited their own people to the truth. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with them and forgive us all for their honorable sake. Amen. So all of this was helping to explain how many times the incident occurred with regards to Rasulullah and the jinn. And notice most if not all of them who came embraced Islam. And again this shows that there were nobles amongst them obviously. And this is why there is another very famous report to finish. The hadith is in uh, Tirmidhi, authentic. And the Prophet ﷺ, he was reciting Surah Ar-Rahman. And when he got to the verse, Which of your Lord's blessings do you deny? The Prophet ﷺ said, The jinn are better than you. So the Sahaba goes, How? Because they responded. Because none of your blessings do we deny, O Lord. So then the human Sahaba repeated it. So they even be their human counterparts. So the jinns were surrounding the Prophet. There were Muslims amongst them who embraced Sahab amongst the jinn. And they, of course, live in their own domain and they did what they did, which is not really our concern. So all I mentioned today was basically completed the narrative, the long narrative of the night of the jinn with Ibn Mas'ud and adding the key details with regards to this encounter. Are there any questions? Subhanallah bihamdi subhanallahumma bihamdika ashhadu la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaika billahi minash shalihin subhanarabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun assalamu alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin bismillahirrahmanirrahim wal asr insan lafi khusr alladhina amanu wa amilus salihat wa rawsabul haqq wa rawsabul salihat